was like, well, if I keep going down this way, I'll probably die or <laughs> have to leave the industry altogether because it got so bad that I can't be there anymore. Hey, you're 86. I'm Justin Myers, and this is a show about how bartenders handle bad situations. Hey, man, have a shot. Bartenders have a complicated relationship with alcohol, which can sometimes lead to trouble. My guest today is Mark Goodwin. He's been in the industry since 2014. He hasn't had a drink in about 11 months, and he recently started the Pin Project. It's a small lapel pin you can wear on your shirt or apron to silently let your coworkers know that you won't be drinking that day. Let's get into it. Uh, in, in New Orleans, but I'm in Tails launching the wow. project down there. So Congratulations on that. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it's wild. Um, obviously, bartenders have a really interesting relationship with alcohol. I mean, it's it's it is our business, and it's kind mm-hmm. of the world that we live in. A lot of our friends, our community, is connected to alcohol in some way, whether we're selling it or drinking it or <clears throat> representing a brand. Or what is your relationship with alcohol been personally? Yeah. I, you mentioned that you you haven't drank in eleven months, and uh, I had read that you. That before you started bartending, you you didn't really drink much, and, and you noticed an increase after yeah. you started bartending. Yeah, totally. Um, my personal relationship with alcohol is very funny. I, I think it's it's a, it's definitely a complicated and dynamic. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, to use two, if I had to describe it in two words, um, I I am not anti alcohol. Mm-hmm. I'm not anti drug. Just from the get-go, I'm not. Not definitively, anyway. Mm -hmm. Um, And not generally. Um, There are, obviously, examples of me being pretty anti-certain use cases and certain dosages and certain, certainly just certain drugs, of course. But as a whole, I'm not. I mean, I I think that there's a reason why uh, we, uh, as a society, look towards things that sort of shift our perspectives a little bit and and give us a, a... um, a different outlook on like what's going on. And I mm-hmm. think that there's a, a total real legitimate social and, and personal use case for alcohol and drugs. Like I'm not, I just want to be very clear about that. I'm not, totally. I'm not anti. Um, totally. and, we, and we know how well prohibition works. So. Right. Of course, of course <laughs> I'm, I'm, I couldn't be less prohibitive. Um, but, uh, but obviously, you know, the use case matters so much. And, um, so personally for me, like I just never really was a big drinker. Um, mm-hmm. I never really liked it when I was younger, um, you know, like kind of before I was 21 and that sort of discovery period. Um, I was never a big drinker. I'd always go to parties. I was always much more on the marijuana end of things. And mm-hmm. um, I, I, that just worked better for me. And I knew that when I was young, um, I would go, you know, be the DD. And I had mm-hmm. a big van that my parents gave me that was like my band's van. And yeah. everyone would pile in the van and we'd go to a party and they'd all drink and I wouldn't. And that was fine. And, you know, maybe I'd have a beer or something, but like, I never really, it never really was a part of my thing all through college. Like I, you know, I, I would drink with people, but I never, certainly never anything I would drink alone. Definitely not. I wouldn't seek it out. Um, I would just do it cause it was there if, if at all. And, um, yeah, I just sort of, I just never really resonated with me very much. But then when I got into the liquor industry, um, and, and I'd actually say probably when I got more into the service industry. Because yeah. I was working at Byright um, okay. for a long time uh, in the mission. And when I started, you know, that sort of cycle of 
clock in, mm-hmm. work really hard, get cash tips, clock out. You're with all the people. You just got your butts kicked all day, and you go to the nearest place that has beers and, and bourbon, tacos. You know, and tacos. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And and that was sort of the beginning. It was kind of my first introduction into more narcotic-y things, more uh, cocaine and, and that kind of stuff was just sort of around. and um, But it was definitely the booze that sort of started that, and then that would all kind of come out of there. Um, but yeah, and then when I got into the, the liquor industry, I, I was really lucky. Um, I actually, the guy that connected us, who is one of my co-founders on mm. the PIN Foundation, Nick Melly, one of my best friends, um, he was uh, a friend of mine from back home. We both grew up in Massachusetts. And he was he was one of, on the opening team at uh, Trick Dog. Mm. And um, I was incredibly lucky, and I got to pretty much wiggle my way in there with like no experience because they had everybody that worked there had so much bar experience. Yeah. And um, I was able to sort of get a bar back job there, um, and they like, kind of took a flyer on me. Um, thank you, Caitlin. <laughs> and, um, and uh, yeah, and immediately uh, my... my purpose was I moved out here to do music and I, and I wanted to just get a bar back job where I worked a couple of days a week and then could do my music. And within the first week, another bar back had like quit and they were like, Hey, we're going to need you to work full time just till we figure out something. Is that okay? And I was like, cool. And then like four years later, <laughs> you know, and I'd worked on my way up. I was bartending now and it was really become a big part of my identity. And, um, but I had really sort of, that wasn't necessarily what I was like out here to do. Um, but you know, it really sweeps you up. It really, it pulls you in. And, um, I have no real regrets about anything generally. Um, but yeah, it was a, it was a pretty drunk few years there. And I'm not saying it's there. It's not them. It it was me being in that context, but Mm -hmm. it was definitely a, it was a very, or it is, but you know, I'm just not there anymore. Um, a super hip bar. Everyone wanted to be there. It was always crazy. People wanted to work there. People were coming in and they expected like a really good time and sort of like a, a almost like a party, you know? And, yeah. and so we gave it to them and it, it was, it's so fun. It's the funnest place, but it can be really hard when you are, you, everyone that comes in, that's their one night a week, maybe, maybe two mm-hmm. nights a week, but that's their time where they get to have fun and they get to have a party and they get to drink a lot and you're doing shots with them and whatever. But that's there like one or two times a week. Right. When you're working five to six days a week, that's really dangerous. And I don't think it gets so normalized. You don't even really think it's like, oh, wow, like there has not been a a shift that has gone by in like a year where I haven't had at least two or three shots of tequila. And never mind after the... Never mind after the the shift's over. Never mind actually on your days off where you're hanging out with friends, which at, all at of your bars. all <laughs> of your friends are bartenders. So you just go and visit them when you get off. Um, and it's really funny, like even someone that doesn't have a natural disposition to drinking alcohol, just being in the context of it all mm. the time. All my friends are bartenders. I get off work. I just it, you just naturally go to a bar that your friends working at, who was just at your bar before they clocked in, mm. drinking with you, and then you go there and you're drinking with them and. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it was a big part of why this project came to, came to be was, um, all, A, all of my friends are bartenders. So the community of people that I know that are bartenders that are drinking a lot was very high because it was my, my community, like my people. Um, 
and and also be like me like i was in i was that as well it wasn't just my environment it was me and um i think it i it it was just becoming so apparent that i would go into work with the best intentions not to drink mm-hmm. and for whatever reason succumbing to to drinking but would be it peer pressure from my coworkers and it's again it's not they're not bad people. My coworkers are the best people. Yeah. It's just, it's a thing that just sort of happens. When, literally, the, just the proximity to it and the normalization mm. of it. Um, yeah, what exactly about um, the industry and working in this industry makes someone like you who maybe didn't drink too much or, or wouldn't normally drink too much um, drink all the time? Yeah, I mean, well, I mean... If you're working at a place, the price is usually pretty good. Um, <laughs> sorry. Um, but it's true. I mean, you're around cheap, if not free, if not a lot of free um, alcohol a lot. I mean, you go to events, we go to, we go to things, brands put on stuff. Yeah. You go to a cocktail convention. It's just, they're just bussing you from place to place and you're just drinking. Yeah, industry drinking, trips. Drinking. They just yeah. serve you on the bus. Yeah. Like. <laughs> You're on the bus in between bars, and they gave every single person in the backpack that says whatever brand on it, they're giving you a bottle mm-hmm. of that brand, and you guys are all slugging, you know? And, and I'm not anti-industry. I'm not anti-brand. I'm totally. not. But totally. it's just normal. It's mm-hmm. just normal, and it's wild. And and that's cool for some people, and I think some people don't have a biological um, sort of... Uh, tendency to to overuse or to have trouble saying no but there's a lot of us that do and i can speak very freely and say that i Mm. do like i'm not the traditional alcoholic in the sense of you know kind of like what would be on like a 60s sitcom or whatever like it's not that Mm. but i am the person that goes into work and says i'm not going to drink today because i got really drunk last night and then six hours later i'm really drunk you know it's like that sort of version of alcoholic where it's you know i'm i if i wasn't in that context if i didn't work in the liquor industry i don't think drinking would even ever be a problem for me um i feel like uh, i feel like for a lot of us that's true it's like it's like if i worked at a cupcake bakery i would eat a lot of cupcakes i think fuck yeah you know (laughs) when i worked in ice cream i would just eat so much i mean i was much bigger you know, mm-hmm. probably happier. Um, but, you know, eating a lot of, of ice cream and because and, it's there and it's, you know, I mean, it's not as normalized to be like, oh, I'm going to have eight servings of ice cream today or eight cupcakes. But in the liquor industry, if you work an eight hour shift, it's pretty normalized to have four to five shots. Like, honestly, I mean, that seems extreme, but really it's it's not that extreme. Um, I would say... You're working at one of the more popular, higher volume craft cocktail bars. I think I think four four shots in a shift is like pretty standard, and I don't I don't even think that's really pulling it one way or the other. Honestly, um, I think that that is just sort of true. If you're there, um, like five or six days a week. And yeah, that, that's... I mean, it just adds up so much. Um, you know, you, you do the thing, you go to the doctors, you get your checkup and they ask you how, okay, well, how much alcohol are you intaking? Yeah. And then you're just like, <laughs> I am so far on the spectrum of being an alcoholic. It's crazy. And you don't even think about it because 
everyone that you're surrounded with isn't exactly the same boat. It's like, well, if I'm an alcoholic, that means these 45 people that I love that have their shit together and have good jobs and are making good money are all alcoholics too. And that's it. I, I, it's a context. It's a yeah. different context. Yeah. Um, so it seems yeah. like a lot of a, it seems like there's a lot of excitement in our industry. Like we, we love what we do. We love the products. We get, we get excited about, you know, but there's like, a, like I went on a trip to Mexico and learned how tequila is made yeah. and it's just like, it just feels so good, and totally. all this stuff tastes so good, yeah. and it's so accessible. It's just kind of a, would you say it's kind of just like a combination of all these factors that I would absolutely, uh, yeah. I don't think it's, it's not just like this like sort of addict like reflex sort of thing. I think a lot of it is like like I I loved working at Trick Dog, and I love working at Coin Up. Um, that doesn't mean I wasn't sort of. Uh, living in a in a pretty unhealthy way while I was doing that but yeah I mean I I, I took a lot of pride in, in in working there and and doing what I was doing there um and I'm very proud of that time and all of everything I learned and all, like I agree I mean it is it's a it's a passion it's really not um it it it's you know even though I'm saying all of these things that it seems like I'm sort of coming down on the industry like I'm not I'm really pro the liquor industry it's like all the best people and yeah it's just i think it's time now where we sort of have the, the little sea change where maybe the things we're promoting are kind of things like your podcast and you know i know you had tanya on mm-hmm. from jigger and dash and things like, you know people that are really that are still connected with the industry and are still can get you all of the things that we love about the industry the connection and and the good the good drinks and the and the, the wonderful social the third space idea sort of mm-hmm. that's something i've definitely talked with nick about um, but just a little more balanced. Yeah, but just more like let's promote the people that are also promoting wellness as well, and not just this tequila company or this. You know, it's totally. uh, what's really sort of rise that. You know, I love that phrase that like the rising tides rise all boats. Like I really believe mm. that. I think the healthier you are, the healthier your industry is. A hundred percent. If it's leading by example, even if it's just doing it quietly in the corner, you are a part of the industry. You are a human being in the industry, and if you are healthier for whatever choices you make, the industry is healthier for whatever choices you make, you know? Absolutely. So you stopped drinking about 11 months ago. What led you to that decision? Oh boy. Um, well, I think I have sort of an interesting story in the sense that, uh, it's not interesting. (laughs) You know, I mean, (laughs) there, there was no rock bottom moment really. Um, there were definitely things that happened that I'm not, super stoked about um and i think most of them are things that uh i just wish i had sort of handled handled my my sort of lifestyle better and like really sort of dug in a little better to my like i want you not drink today and then just been better about that um i i think it was just man i mean it it's it's hard to say if there was one thing or, or another that led to it because I, I really I really don't think there was one specific thing I think it was just a whole combination of stuff um, I just wasn't really happy honestly I mean mm. straight up um, I didn't really like that I felt like I didn't have control um, and that's really what it was um, I'm I'm not like a control freak I'm not one I'm not it's not something like that um, but. I am someone that in order to feel comfortable sort of needs to kind of have a plan or know what's going on. I always have plans like life plans, five year, two year, whatever. I'm always working on something very like tangibly. 
Um, and when I don't have plans, I feel really crappy and I sort of get lost. And, and I think I really kind of lost my way of what I was really trying to do um, and what really makes me happy. And I'm glad that I spent the time and learned the stuff and learned the trade. And I love the liquor industry so much. And that's why I'm so happy with that this project is happening and is really feels like it's really being adopted like so quickly because I really want to stay in, in here with all these people. But I don't think that the day to day behind the bar is really a good idea for me. I don't think, I think I have a lot to give and a lot to help people. Um, but I don't think maybe that I, it was the service day to day thing and the proximity with alcohol. I was, I was really coping with a lot of, uh, insecurity and just kind of not really feeling that great about my position in life. I, I knew that I didn't want to like own bars and go into the bar world in that sense. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew I didn't want to manage cause I had managed people before and, I think my skill sets, while I can be a good project manager, I think I'm not, I don't want to discipline people. That's not what I'm here for. I'm, I'm the, I'm the love and understanding guy, not the, what the fuck? You just took a 45 minute break. Yeah. You're my best friend. You, you came back smelling of weed. <laughs> it was a 10 minute break. What are you doing? Like that kind of stuff. Um, uh, speaking of my last managerial position, which was at Pyrite, um, yeah, so I think I just kind of, I realized that it, by not drinking, it was a way to sort of sort of take some control back mm. um, of my life and sort of stop wasting days. Um, that's a big thing. It's just you, you, you lose a night, but really you lose the next day, and then there's all this shame and guilt that comes from that. It just compounds. It, builds just, builds. it just gets so heavy, and, and you know you need to stop, and it's really hard, and, and you want to limit, you want to limit, you want to limit. But then you keep giving yourself those exceptions, and I'm someone that you give you give a mouse a cookie. I mean, I'm, <laughs> I, I, eight hours later, I'm I'm yeah. gone, and um, and that's just real. That's just true. Um, so it wasn't like a it wasn't like a a line was crossed. It was just sort of like a slow build up. Yeah, I mean, I I did I I I will say I, I was in a relationship where I was living with my partner at the time, and I don't think. I was necessarily, uh, I was, I was certainly not a, uh, reliable partner Mm. in the, in the, uh, okay, see you later, honey. I'm going to work. I'll, you know, see you in eight hours. And then you get really drunk at the bar and then you go to your friend's place after this and you do whatever. And, Mm. and, and I was never a shithead. I mean, I, I'm a, I'm a good human. I'm a very loving drunk, but not exactly cool to do that. Yeah. Uh, as as often as it was happening, certainly when the expectations and the communication was, I'm not going to do this, and then you do. Um, so that relationship sort of falling apart um, was also a big part of my like, okay, reevaluate. Mm. Um, not because that was really the reason for it, but it was a part of it, you know. And I didn't want there to be any elements of of who I was or who I was projecting to other people. Um, that wasn't true. And so stopping drinking was sort of just taking back control over, Mm. um, yeah, I guess just sort of who I wanted to be. I mean, it's funny, you really, who you are is really made up of a whole bunch of small decisions. And I think that's something that people forget. And so part of your small decisions consistently are deciding to go get fucked up when you actually don't or not even really deciding, but it just you just say yes to one shot, and then eight hours later you're fucked mm. up. Um, 
those micro decisions, the snowball effect. Yeah. And so you, it really does define who you are, I think in a lot of ways. And I mean, I have, I have kind of got this nickname and it was sort of a, it was a mishearing of another word. Um, but a lot of people in the industry call me party or party Mark, which is sort of ironic now, but (laughs) certainly wasn't ironic for years. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, you end up sort of living that persona a little bit and um, not wanting to let people down and wanting to be the fun, like, yeah, cool, you know, not yeah. wanting to be the guy that's like, guys, don't you think we should think right. about this and talk about, I don't want to be the bummer. I want to, I'm supposed to be the love and understanding guy, you know, yeah. I want to be the party guy. But I mean, just, a, just, just over time, it just wears you down. And I think I yeah. just sort of was like, well, if I keep going down this way, I'll probably die or... <laughs> have to leave the industry altogether because it got so bad that I can't be there anymore. So I think mm. by taking charge at the time that I did, it was sort of, uh, um, just, uh, yeah, just taking care of myself really. And, and wanting to be the best person that I could be, mm. um, moving forward was sort of like, I just, it was, it wasn't even really a choice. It was just like, you have to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, so how does, how does peer pressure play in this when you're, when you're with a group of people and, and you, and you decide like, okay, I'll take that one shot. I feel like it's more of an issue of wanting to be included yeah. and feel like you're a part yes. of something. Um, cool. How have you seen that play out? Could not agree more, 100%. Um, and that is like such a big part of my whole sort of general philosophy on sobriety and certainly with the industry is that um, it really is about inclusion and about and about a social connection. And I think so much of like the actual act of taking a shot with your coworkers or someone that comes in so much of the pleasure that comes from that act has nothing to do with the alcohol. Like Absolutely. really it doesn't so much of it is a, the sugar. <laughs> um, and, and I know that seems funny, but it's real. Like, um, and, uh, part, part of my research and, and, and kind of figuring out stuff for this project. And I'm sure we'll go into it later was I actually started going to meetings just to sort of check it out. Cause I was like, if I'm going to kind of, do this sort of not AAAA kind of thing. Mm. You um, see that I should see spectrum. at least what it is. And and so I actually started going and with my friend Jenny, who is also a part of the team. And um, one of the things is they give you a book that's like tips for living sober, pretty much. And one of them is like replace alcohol with sugar. So much of what you get, the dopamine release when you take a shot, is just the sugar. Mm. And I was like, yeah, don't. So I I do shots of grapefruit juice with people now, and I swear to God, it, it makes a huge difference. Mm. Like just cheersing, getting up there, being like, "Oh, I'm not going to do a shot with you, but here, I'll, you know, we'll, we'll do this." Yeah. Um, Personally, I, that's what I like best about imbibing is just just this this sort of cultural act. Yeah. Um, you know, I love that's, that's why I love in Europe when people drink like small low ABV things with their friends forever. Like yeah. just because it feels great. It's yeah. not really about yeah. You know, they're drinking like small glasses of Peroni for yeah. six hours, yeah. you know? And they're pouring it out of the bottle. Yeah. And no they one's, drink a no bottle. No one really gets drunk. They yeah. just, just want to sit and like toast with your friends. Unbelievable. I completely agree. Uh, I think there's a big part of the culture, and I don't know if it's an American thing or an industry thing or whatever, probably something of both. Mm-hmm. Um, but I agree. I, 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 It is sort of strange. I think our consumption rate is so high here compared to to a lot of other cultures Um, but yeah i I really do think i I think the peer pressure element is is no one no one is like really like you know oh come on like come on you know i mean that happens a little bit but Mm -hmm. i i really think it comes from inward 
it's really you not wanting to not to not like be uh sort of let uh not involved and um i i think one of the the really the big things that i'm really excited to see and i'm seeing it happen is is just including everybody you know and and it's an inclusion thing and that's the whole point of the bar world is is to bring people together and to bring a, to have a space this third space concept mm-hmm. of like you know you have your home you have your work and then you have that social place that you go to that third that third space and the bar is that and the bar really has become that for our culture, really, for America, certainly for San Francisco. It's all bars and restaurants. Totally. Um, and when I was first not drinking, it was kind of awkward being like, well, what do I... Because I wasn't quite ready yet to like really go hang out at bars or go to the places that I used to go drink at a lot because I wasn't really ready to have that conversation or how to navigate it. Now I'm like... Phew. Like I go into all my places and they like... They know that I don't drink and they like open an NA beer as I walk in. You know, when I walk mm. into Trick Dog, it's... Johnny or Alfie or whatever they're opening a mat is like opening an, an old Milwaukee for me as I walk in and and that's great but it took me to get there um but I, I really I really do I'm just so excited to see so many more NA programs popping up and actually good non-alcoholic beer and um it just feels good to be included and and to make sure that people are really um you know making sure the people that are making a difficult decision not to drink you know it's it's it does sort of exclude you from things. And so I think it's really our job as the people that sell alcohol um, to really make sure we're including all the people that don't drink into our social circles and into our social places because they're the people that need the inclusion more than more than anyone else because they're not getting it anywhere else. And, and the whole third space concept for adults is kind of like doesn't really exist. I mean... It's cool, yeah, sure. We can go to the symphony, we can go to the jazz club, we can go to whatever. But there, a, there's booze at all of those places. Exactly, there's booze uh, everywhere. Everywhere, there's I booze mean, at the like miniature golf course. Yeah, <laughs> seriously, yeah. You go to Urban Putt, you drink there. That's awesome. I love it. I'm, yeah. I love Urban Putt. I'm glad that it exists. I work at a fucking arcade that has copious amounts of alcohol everywhere, <laughs> you know. And we don't let kids in and all that stuff. And like, that's cool. Like, it makes sense. That's yeah. great. Um, and I love that adults have that spot where they can be a kid and drink, and that's awesome. But we also have NA beers. You know, we also have, you know, vegan options. We also have that, you know, it's like it's all that same thing. Just like making sure that we create a safe space for people to come in and be able to like feel comfortable. And I think the bar industry is catching up to that and is really doing a good job. I really do applaud places. I think they're doing an amazing job. I'd like to see a lot more. um, And I think that that's part of what we're going to do, hopefully, is really push that. So there's plenty of reasons why people don't drink, um, whether whether or not you have an, an issue with alcohol or maybe you're on medication or maybe you have to drive home or you're pregnant to, or you're pregnant yeah. or you or you or you're sick or whatever. Um, and and these or maybe you just don't want to. Maybe you just yeah. don't feel like. It. Yeah. Um, and how does a bartender you know, go through your shift with all of these sort of forces working against that um uh whether you're not whether you whether or not you have this pin um how do you go through your day with all these things working against you and and like and and just get through that and not drink um i I guess i guess you've had 11 months of experience doing yeah yeah sure um it's funny to think I, I was just thinking this because i'm i'm like getting ready to go to tails and i'm like gonna be talking at a couple places at tails about saying no to drinking and i just like can't 
I, I can't stop sort of laughing about like, it's like last year at Tails, which was pretty much the last time I drank. I was like, I was drunk for like six straight days. I mean, we were waking up and grabbing beers and walking and drinking. And it was great. I had the best time. I've, and seen, it was pictures, I've seen pictures of like people putting emergency in, in like cans and hams. Yeah. Or like having like yeah. one bottle of Gatorade duct tape to a bottle of champagne with yes. straws out of both. God damn right. <laughs> Absolutely. And that's amazing. And I'm yeah. glad that exists in a weird way because I'm all about mm-hmm. you doing what feels right for you at the time. Like I'm, I'm totally, I'm pro-human experience you know if that includes copious amounts of drinking and it's safe you know if that is a if that's possible um go for it that's Mm -hmm. great um i had the best time at tales and i won't forget it ever and i'm glad i'm also really glad to go back this year and be able to laugh at what i did the year before and be Mm -hmm. like i was someone being really 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 unhealthy and even though i was having a good time like i wasn't really a happy person and um so i guess to get back to your your question about you know you're sort of like yeah, I have 11 months of experience it's like funny to me that like that's true because it doesn't feel like I'm like this veteran of sobriety a I haven't even hit a year but b it's like it doesn't feel like that it really feels like moment to moment it's like a it's like a choice every time and I think sobriety is a spectrum and mm. I think if we really look at sobriety as being a spectrum it's so much more easier to deal with and to sort of align your ideals with because um i know where i'm at right now what i need is no alcohol and maybe at some point in my life it could be something where my relationship with alcohol could turn where i could have a drink of alcohol on a friday night with dinner a glass of wine and that's totally normal and healthy um, I know right now that if I decided to, after this podcast was over, go to the bar at the interval here, have a glass of wine, that would probably not be very healthy for me because I don't think I'm at the place yet where I feel like I can really mm-hmm. trust myself to not have it go down this thing. Um, and I think if we look at sobriety as, as a spectrum, the two axes sort of being, you know, one being the use. So anywhere from zero, which is where I need to be right now, to like heavy, heavy, heavy abusive use being the other end of the spectrum. Um, And then, you know, somewhere in the middle is going to be the people that, you know, maybe have more of a nine to five relationship with alcohol and can drink a glass of beer when they come home from work and it's fine. And that's great. And that's perfectly healthy. And that's fine. Again, I'm not anti-alcohol. And then I think the other spectrum, the other axis of the spectrum is context. Um, I think it's perfectly healthy to have a glass of wine at 7 p.m. on a Saturday after you've finished your work week and you're relaxing. I don't think it's necessarily healthy to wake up at 7 in the morning and have a glass of wine on a Tuesday before your nephew's christening or something. You know, I mean, there's certain (laughs) contexts that are just sort of uh, less appropriate than others. Um, And I know for me, um, it's really checking in on where you are on that spectrum of sobriety of what you, what you want to be um where do you want to see yourself um and for me it's every day it's kind of like a check-in and it's cool it's really becoming not an option anymore like i really don't like i don't when i go to a restaurant i don't i don't look at the wine list i don't look at the drink list it's not even something that but that took me a really long time to get there mm-hmm. i was salivating over the cocktail menus and looking at other people's drinks and really like envious of them but now that I have momentum going every day, it's like I can 
I can sort of look at it and appreciate it from afar, but know that it's not for me mm. and know that I'm doing myself a disservice of who the person that I really want to be. Um, you know, if I, if I chose to drink. Um, so I don't know if I necessarily answered your question, but I guess, um, it, it, I, I really think it is a, a choice that you have to make many, many, many times over. And I think the more times you make it, it becomes less radical and less intense and less like you're doing something wrong because we're so normalized and conditioned that saying yes to every drink is okay. And the more times you break that and push that up, it gets easier. I mean, it's, it's like physics. It's something at rest wants to stay at rest. Mm. Whereas something that's rolling down that hill wants to keep going. Um, so you really have to sort of, I, I, I really, again, I'm not a doctor, um, at all by, by no means in any field, certainly not in this field. Um, but I, I, I know for the amount of times that I failed trying to get sober and why this one has worked as long as it has, I really think at first you really need to sort of stop. Um, I think you need to put up a, a, a boundary pretty extremely, mm -hmm. um, just till you find what is healthy for you. Um, I think if you think you, that you are drinking too much and you're concerned that you're drinking too much and sometimes you want to not drink and you do drink, I think you should take some time off and, and really commit to it. Um, I don't know how long that is. I don't know what it works for you, but if you, if you really struggle with it and you, and you're finding yourself continually in situations you don't want to be in cause you're drinking, I think you should take some significant time off and check back in with yourself. Cause if you don't, if you don't break the cycle to check in, you don't really know what your relationship is with it. Cause you're still caught up in that. You're still, the that, ball's rolling down yeah. the hill, the rolling stone. Like I think you really need to stop and like at least a month, if not two, if not three, if not six, and then see how you feel and mm -hmm. check in every time. Set, set a goal and stick to it no matter what. No exceptions. Take three months, set to it. And then see how you feel each month. Check back in. See how you feel. Is it easier to say no? Is it harder? Do you, do you find you're missing certain parts of it? Are there certain elements of it that you miss? Do you wish you could have a glass of wine, but you don't miss hard alcohol? Cool. Maybe reintegrate that back in when you feel healthy mm. and safe. But I really think to sort of get a full check-in of where you are i really think you need to just kind of stop mm. um so that's make, why i stopped i think it was like this i'm gonna see how i feel in six months and after three i was like fuck yeah i'm doing a year like no matter what and now i'm getting close to my year and it's gonna be another check-in but like with everything that's happened all the positivity that's sort of come into my life and the way i've been able to uh turn this really negative dark place energy into like i can transfer all of this pain and shittiness that i felt and I can make it, turn it into something that can help people, like, you know, find your way to transfer that. I mean, it's really, I don't think alcohol is ever really the, the, it's, it's a symptom. It's not the cause, you mm. know, I think the way we use and abuse drugs and alcohol, it's never, it's never the, uh, it's never what's making us depressed or what's making us sad. I think that there's something else that we are coping and using alcohol as a tool because it is a tool you know, ultimately a perspective tool and drugs are a perspective tool. Um, so it's a matter of stepping back and that could require stopping drinking for a little bit. And that's going to be hard at first, but it could show you really yeah, what's going on on a deeper level. hundred percent. I think it's a reevaluation by stepping back and seeing what it is that um, you really need and to check back in with those things. And um, also there's, I think specifically with alcohol, the actual like effect of it, the depressant effect of it, I think it does sort of, and the hangover effect of it, 
um, I think it does sort of bring you down in, in a literal sense. Yeah, in a physical um, way. In a physical way, yeah. And, and I think sort of taking a step back and looking at all of those things, which it's a lot. Um, mm. But I really do think if you take it seriously and take a step back and, and reevaluate your relationship with it, I think, I think anyone in, the, in our industry, no matter what, even if they've been sober for years, can take a step back and reevaluate their position with alcohol because it's a very complicated thing. And I think, I think the world is doing it. I think the sea change is happening. I think it's no longer acceptable, you know, like, you know, I used to hear stuff like, oh, he's a great person, but like, you know, he's kind of an idiot when he's drunk or like, you see so much normalization Mm. of that. And it's like, why do we, why do we let that go? You know, why is that okay that you can be a, oh, well, he was drunk when he, you know, and there's stuff like that. I mean, I've been like that, you know, it's like, oh yeah, he was kind of like, he was like a little inappropriate yesterday because he was trashed. And it's like, that's not okay. We can't, we can't, that's not okay. Like that's still him. Yeah. Um, or her or, or, or whatever. And I, I think, um, I think we can all stand in the industry to take a step back and like, mm. like, and I, and I, and I, and I really, I don't mean that in a call out way, but like, you know, how many liquor brands actually want you to drink responsibly when they say drink responsibly, they want you to drink as much of their shit as possible. And, you know, and I think we should really all take a big step back and, yeah. and, and so, sort of look at like, how much are we serving people? Are we really encouraging people to be healthy and smart whose choice is it who's to sit like who am i to say as the bartender if it's you know at, at what level is it okay now i'm being unsafe by serving you like there's so many complicated relationships and micro relationships happening in a bar and it all centers around alcohol and i think just by taking a step back and looking at it we can sort of reevaluate as an industry sort of what we think uh, alcohol should play in our lives yeah so what what kind of responsibility do we have um Let's just talk about our responsibility to each yeah, other. Yeah. Uh, totally. What 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 do you see that looking like? And I know there's a lot of uh, things uh, like like the pin project um, that are sort of moving more in that direction. But where do you see us going with with um, being responsible to ourselves, not only ourselves but to our peers in this industry? Yeah. What are we responsible for? Well, I mean, there's an obvious uh, health just straight off the bat. Um, Alcohol has some negative health effects when used in, inappropriately. And so um, I think we do have the pretty standard responsibilities of um, making sure the way that we serve people is safe. Um, unfortunately, I think the limits of that right now are way too, way too far. It's pretty much like, are you driving? No, you're not. Oh, okay. Well, then you can drink. And I, I don't think like... I think just the law and driving being the like states at which we then decide not to serve people is kind of stupid. I think it should be much, not stupid, but that's obviously very smart, but I think there should be more check-ins, I guess. Mm. And it shouldn't be just that when you're putting someone in that sort of obvious unsafe situation that that's when we step up and we like think about it for over serving people. Um, I think our responsibilities as bartenders to strangers, um, is to is to have an open ear, be understanding and loving, because I think people do come into bars for social connection. I think our our responsibility first and foremost is like love and understanding, hundred percent. Um, but I think we uh, we should check in more with people, and we should take people more seriously when they express like literally in in the service like what is their responsibilities like if you hear someone say oh no 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 i, I don't want a shot and then you hear their buddies being like where are you come on 
mm-hmm. be like, no, man, if he doesn't want to drink, he doesn't have to drink. You want to do a shot of grapefruit juice with me? That's what I'm going to do here. And then you just do it for them. Like, give them that out right away. Because, another opportunity for service. Absolutely. Because you're being a fucking amazing bartender. Maybe not in the sales bottom line stuff. <laughs> but, but I mean, fuck that shit. Like, that's, that's not, that is not what we're here for. Yeah. It isn't. Absolutely. We're not. We're here to serve people, give people a good time, and then they will come and spend their money. And your, your bosses will make a lot of money. And, and that's great. Um, but we're here to take care of people's like, souls and their hearts and their bodies. And... You know, it could be really brave and a really tough thing for that guy to be like, ah, even just giving that apprehension of like, nah, that can be really hard. Like that was hard for me for a really long time. And I had those inner feelings of like, I can't drink today. And someone asked me to drink and I'm like, I didn't even get to the point where I was like, eh. So we have to be aware of those things. I think that's really where our responsibilities are is maybe being aware of other people's limits and other people's boundaries, even if they're not being a good communicator about it. Um, it's our job to communicate. And I think that's, the, the role the pin plays is being this nonverbal communication because sometimes verbal communication is hard. It's really easy to put a pin on and clock into your shift being like, I'm not going to drink today. And you put the pin on. That's easy. That's way easier than every single time someone asks you if you want a shot, you have to say, nah, actually, uh, it's way easier. And so that's, that's how it works. And that's how I think this thing will be successful is, 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 is helping with that communication, but where our responsibilities lie Picking up on that communication, even if it's not 100% on the level and being on the lookout for people mm. that maybe are struggling. And, and like we are the dealers here, you know, it's like we are the people pushing this product. We have to be responsible for other people's well-being. Um, and it's not just like, OK, time to cut you off. You've had, you know, you're, you're wasted. It's before that. It's not even in that. It's, it's just being be aware that people struggle with alcohol. Just be aware of it. And if you are aware of it, I think you'll pick up on those things a lot more. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. This is such a great thing to talk about, an important thing to talk about. And I'm really I'm really happy to see you and the others um, doing the work you're doing. In this yeah. Space. Thank you so much, Jet. That was Mark Goodwin. If you find yourself struggling with alcohol consumption, consider taking a break. It's going to be hard at first, but it will allow you to really take a look at what's going on inside and better understand your relationship to alcohol. And the pin can help make taking a break easier. It's a small symbol you wear that lets your coworkers know you're not drinking that day. Then it doesn't have to be an awkward conversation every time someone offers you a shot. It's a really valuable tool. The pin will be available very soon. Check out the p.in. That's the p.in to get one for yourself. All proceeds go towards connecting those of us in need to mental health resources and funding treatment. You can find all this and more at your86.com. Make sure to share us and the pin project with your friends in the industry. We'll see you next time. Bye.